Welcome. We're so glad you joined us for this week's podcast from Pursuit City Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. Our prayer is that you are both encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. If you need prayer or want to share a story about what God has done in your life, please send an email to amen at pursuitcc.com. Be blessed with today's message. So let's just go right to it. Growing up, every little girl from the time they're five years old on up, you know what they're thinking about? They're thinking about their wedding dress. They're thinking about where they're going to have their wedding. <laughs> they're thinking about what kind of home they're going to have, their perfect home. They're thinking about their kids' names. I mean, from the time they're little girls, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Maybe some of y'all didn't grow up that way, but most girls kind of grow up that way. They, they're thinking about all these things and, oh, yes, and we're going to do this. And we're, they're planning out their life. I know people who, from the time they were five years old, they were planning out their life. And then by the time the, the guy showed up, he was like, it's already planned. It's already ready to go. What are you talking about? It's ready to go? Okay. Uh, and meanwhile, men aren't thinking of any of that stuff. Right? I mean, I wasn't thinking about that stuff. I was thinking about, man, I'm going to play in the NBA one day. Because I was so tall. <laughs> and so fast. Hey, why y'all laughing? Why y'all don't laugh at me? I was this size in eighth grade. Everybody thought I was going to be six feet tall. And then I stopped growing. Everybody kept growing. So, yeah, that passed me by. But I wasn't thinking about getting married. I wasn't thinking about no house. I wasn't thinking about kids' names. I wasn't thinking about anything but having fun, playing sports, and who knows? One day I'll figure it out. Any men relate to that? Okay. Got some men relating to that. So we have to address the fact that in relationships, women think about it a lot more than men do. That's just reality. Okay? The woman thinks about the relationship three to four times more than the man does. We're at work. We're thinking about work, right? Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, the woman's thinking about everything they want to say to you when you get home from work. You know? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? And they're making, they're making lists. They checking it twice. And when you come home, they got all that stuff they want to share, share with you, you know? And you're just trying to eat your steak. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about or am I by myself? So I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you this. Is a great marriage possible? Is it possible? Absolutely. Absolutely, you can have a great marriage. Absolutely. It is possible. But it's not likely. So I just dropped off. Right there. It's possible. But it's not likely. Y'all following me now? Okay. It's not likely you'll have a good relationship if you do what everyone else does. 
Okay? It's possible to have a great relationship. It's possible to have a great marriage. But it, isn't, it is not likely if you do what everyone else does. In fact, it's more likely you will have the result everyone else does if you do what everyone else does. And that is to not have a great marriage. To not have a great relationship. You following me so far? 50% of marriages don't make it. In church, out of church, it doesn't matter. 50% of marriages don't make it. You've got a 50% chance of getting a divorce. And those that do make it, many just kind of settle in and they stay miserable. But they don't get divorced. You know what's interesting? You don't have a 50% chance that you will lose all your money today. You don't have a 50% chance that you'll get killed in a car wreck. Chances are much lower. You don't have a 50% chance that you're going to get attacked by a herd of 100 human-eating ferrets. Okay? All those things, you have like a 1% chance that that will happen. But there's a 50% chance that your marriage won't make it. Y'all hearing me so far this morning? The marriage is under attack. The relationship between God, man, and woman is under attack. And there is more, it is more likely that you will get a divorce than die in a car wreck. Let that sink in for a second, because I want to take you somewhere this morning. Are y'all hearing me? Let that sink in. It is more likely that your marriage will fall apart than you lose all your money in a day. Okay. Y'all are following me. You want to know what's insane? You want to know what's truly insane, Brooke? Your son's driving, right? He's about to? Okay. Somebody's son is driving, I think. In order for him to get his permit, license, whatever, he's got to go take a class, sit there, pay a fee. It's ours. It's ours, right? How much does it cost? A couple hundred bucks, something like that. But you know you can go down to the courthouse and pay $15 and get a marriage license. And like that, it's over. That's insane. The most important decision in your life outside of relationship with Jesus and making that choice, all you need is $15 in a piece of paper. There's no value anymore to relationship. There's no value anymore to marriage. And so no wonder there's a high divorce rate. No wonder it's a 50-50 shot. I got a better chance of making it to the NBA. Okay, don't be laughing now. I'm, t- I'm serious, you know what I'm saying? My chances were high when I was in seventh grade. I had a size 12 shoe and I was this tall. Everybody's like, dude, you're going to be tall, man. And then, what happened? So my, I was on the other side of the 50. I'll settle for the great marriage, amen. <laughs> it's insane That we put so little value on such an important aspect of life. I remember 
the day me and Cheryl got married. I was so awkward. <laughs> I was so awkward. I, I, I kissed her weird, you know, when he said I do. I was like, let's go. <laughs> remember that? Cheryl, remember that? Yeah, everybody remember that. I think part of it was because, like, a, a couple of days before when we were doing the rehearsals and all that, I had a lot of allergies and I had a lot of, like, stuffy nose and, I just felt like weird kissing her at that moment because I'm like, I don't want to get her sick. But, I mean, in the moment, I was just awkward. Like, the whole, the whole thing was awkward, right? And then we played, like, this crazy fast song. You know, we, we, you know, all that stuff. You know how it goes. But I remember saying my vows. It went a little something like this. I'm Matt Gomez. Take you, Cheryl Beth Harris, to be my wife. To have and to hold from this day forward. And then we left something out on purpose. And we went straight to forsaking all others, being faithful to you as long as we both shall live. So help me God in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what we left out? We left out for better and worse, for sickness and health. We left them out on purpose. Because we didn't want to confess from the first day we got married that we were going to have for better and for worse and sickness and health. We just wanted to have health. We just wanted to have better. And so we made a decision in our vows to not even confess that on day one. I remember that. It was an important day. It was an important thing. So how do we solve this issue? Because this is an issue, right? This is truly a problem in our culture, in America. In order to solve the problem, you got to find the source of the problem. You got to find where it begins. You got to find what is it that's causing this in the first place? Is it truly that People pick the wrong spouse? No. Is it truly that people just don't know how to manage relationships? Well, well, well maybe. But what, what is really the problem? What is really the issue? I'll tell you. It goes back to the heart of everything about us wanting to be happy. You know what the problem is? We are seeking for our spouse, our significant other, or someone else, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whatever the case may be, married, divorced. If you seek for your spouse or that other person to make you happy, you've already started down the wrong path. It's not their job to make you happy. Bet you didn't expect that this morning. It's not their job to make you happy. You know why? Because the moment that they begin to fail in that area, what happens to the relationship? What's it built on? Their ability to make you happy? They're going to mess that up. 
Everyone does. It is not your job to make the other person happy. You have to find the one that makes you happy. And I'm not talking about another person, another individual. I'm talking about God. You want a better relationship and a better marriage? You have to find the source of your happiness through Christ and Christ alone. Because you won't be fulfilled. You won't be. There is no possible way that you will fulfill someone's need like that. It's impossible. The only thing in this world that can fulfill the void in someone's heart of happiness is the presence of Jesus, and that is it. So you want... You want a better relationship, then you've got to solve the happiness issue. You've got to solve the fact that you should not be seeking someone to make you happy. You have to seek the one that makes you happy. And if you haven't found the one, you need to meet the one. You need to seek after. Today's message, last week we talked about fighting fair. Today we're talking about seeking God. How do you get a better relationship? Quit seeking each other. Start seeking God. Because the other person don't have everything you need. They just don't. They don't have everything you need. There's not enough of me to go around. I know I'm kind of big, but it's just not enough. Don't, don't honk at that. Come on now. I'm going to single you out. It doesn't matter if you're single, married, divorced, dating, whatever the case may be. If you start down the road of trying to find someone that makes you happy, you've already gone down the wrong path. You've got to start seeking the one that makes you happy. You've got to start seeking the one that can only satisfy that place in your heart. No one in this world can satisfy that place in your heart. It is, it is designed for God to fulfill that role in your life. In Matthew 22 Verse 37 through 40, it says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let's get this very clear. Jesus said that you should love the Lord God with all. Everybody say all. That's all, baby. That's all. Everything you got. Everything you got needs to be pointed to him. Everything you got needs to be pointed. Your mind, your body, your soul, your heart, everything has to be given up to him. Okay? Everything. You give it up to him, right? And then the second commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. So if you learn to love God properly, then you can learn to love your neighbor properly. If you learn to love God properly, then you can learn to love your spouse properly. Then you can learn to have relationship properly. But if you don't love him first, if you don't love him properly, there's no way none of this is going to work. There's just no way. 
That's why the divorce rate is so high. Because the relationship is so low. Because no one's seeking after the one. They're trying to solve it by fixing each other. You're not going to fix each other. How many people you know were able to fix their spouse? Yeah, I didn't get no honks on that one. You want a blessed marriage? Serve God together. Serve God together. Get involved in church and start serving together. You want a blessed marriage? Start believing for the same thing together. Set some goals together. Have a vision about your future together. I will never forget the day that we were at some little tiny ranch house that looked like that garage over there in Blanco, Texas with some cows and a bunch of cow poop. And we're walking around and Cheryl's like, what are we doing with our life? And I said, man, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, in all accounts, everything was great. Had good jobs. We were doing youth ministry, worship. We enjoyed what we were doing. We enjoyed where we worked. We enjoyed the life we had. But there was something lacking. And when she asked me that question, I immediately knew (laughs) that everything was about to change. And when she said that, what are we doing with our life? We began to set some goals with each other. We began to set a vision for our life together. And it has brought us to this point. It has brought us here. Have you ever heard of Blanco, Texas before? Nah, I didn't think so. (laughs) Didn't think so. Ain't nobody heard of it but some cows, man. That's it. That's where we were. The point is you've got to get together, set some goals with each other, get a vision with each other, and start serving together. You want successful children? You want financial blessings? You want to be able to be generous to others? You want to be able to make an eternal difference to other people? Then stop seeking those things and start seeking God. Everything you want, everything you want, stop chasing it. Everything you want, stop seeking it. Everything you want, lay it down and start seeking Him. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. You don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll say that a hundred times. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. But I do know how to do one thing. And I've always done just one thing right. I just sought after God. And if you can learn to do that, the Bible says it very clearly in Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek first what? All your stuff, seek first your job, seek first your children, seek first your spouse. No, no, no. It says seek first the kingdom of heaven. What's the order? God first. It always has been that. 
And it will always be that. You don't get the blessings by going after the blessings. You get the blessings by going after God. So if you want your relationship to be blessed, quit going after your relationship to be blessed. There's not enough times I can pray for you that's going to fix anything. You've got to start seeking God for yourself. Anybody hearing that this morning? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. See, you get both, but you got to do it in the right sequence. You got to do it in the right order. You can't do it on your own order. You can't do it by your own sequence. You've got to do it the way that God said to do it. You got to do it how he said to do it. There's a reason the Ten Commandments are listed in the order they're listed. Everything has an order. Glory follows order. Quit trying to do it out of order. So let's say you're not married yet. Good catch. Let's say you're not married yet. In order to prepare for that person, we're going to call them number two. Okay? Number two. In order to prepare for your number two, You've got to seek after your number one. You follow me yet? In order to prepare, if you're not married yet, in order to prepare for your number two, you've got to seek after your number one. Listen. You've got to be and already live the way and with the character that you're searching for in a spouse, that you're searching for in a soulmate, that you're searching for in a person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Hey, are they filming us? What's going on? Hey, how's it going? No? Coast Guard? Be safe. Listen, you've got you've to be the kind of person you want to marry. I'm going to say that again. You have got to be... Now, the kind of person that you want to marry. Because here's what's going to happen. If, if, if you are a party person and you're out there partying and you're out there doing all this stuff, guess who you're going to run into? And guess the kind of person you're going to meet? There's no way you're going to go do all that stuff and then somehow find that godly man, that godly woman. It doesn't work like that. And it's not their job to go rescue you. It's not their job to go pull you out of the pit. No, 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 no. It's your job to go start seeking God. So stop with the lifestyle that you don't want in a spouse. Because guess what you're going to get? The kind of lifestyle you want in a spouse. The kind of character you want in a spouse. The kind of morality. The kind of faithfulness. The kind of godliness that you want in someone. You have to become that. You have to be that. You have to live that. God is your one, and your spouse is your two. Number two. So, I always like to ask opposite questions. How do we not seek God? Huh? How do we do that? How do we not? How are we supposed to not seek God? What is the wrong way 
to do it. Good morning. How's it going, man? Welcome to join us. How are we supposed to not do it? In Psalms 10, verse 4 through 6, it says, In his pride, the the wicked does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. He says to himself, nothing will shake me. I will always be happy and never have trouble. Man, I'm going to read that again. In his what? In his pride, the wicked does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. You need to ask yourself, are you seeking God? Is there room in your thoughts for him? Because if there's not, the Bible just straight up equated you to a wicked person, a prideful person. Ouch. If you can't say amen, say ouch. He says to himself, nothing will shake me. I will always be happy and never have trouble. How prideful is that, that someone would think, They will always be happy, never have trouble. Nothing's going to shake me. I got this, man. Guess what? You ain't got jack. Okay? Life wins all the time. The question is, will it knock you down because your foundation is you, yourself, and no one else? Or will you be able to stand through it because your foundation and your anchor is God? That's the question. So that's how not to seek God. You want to know how not to seek God? By just walking around saying, I got this. I can handle this. I can handle the storm. I'm not going to be shaken. Nothing's going to happen to me. I'm going to always be happy. I'm going to always have money. We're not going to be worried. Okay, let's see. How do we seek God? 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. Guess what? You cannot run. You cannot hide. God sees every heart. God sees every thought. God sees every plan. He sees it all. He sees everything. You might think no one will know. No one will know. That's just me. It's just in my own head. Haven't shared it with anyone. Guess what? God knows. God sees. God hears it all. So if you're going to worship him, you might as well worship him with all your heart. If you're going to worship him, you might as well give it with all your mind, with a willing mind, with a willing heart. You know why? Because God can tell when you're half-hearted. God can tell when you're given Half of your best. He wants it all. God is, what the Bible describes, God is a jealous God. He is jealous. Oh, we should sing. He is jealous for me. Like, he's a jealous God. You know why he's jealous? Because he wants all of you. God ain't trying to share you. He wants all of you. He wants all of who you are. He wants your best. He wants your whole heart. He wants your whole mind. He wants all your being. He wants everything there is about you. So how do we not seek God? Go ahead and stay prideful. You'll never seek God. 
Go ahead and say, you got this. You'll never seek God. How do you seek God? You give him everything. You stop holding back and you just give him everything. And stop acting like if I just give a little piece at a time, he'll fix this piece and then we'll move on to the next. No, no, no. He wants it all. He doesn't want part of you. He wants everything. He knit you. He formed you. He created you. Guess what? He wants you back. That's how this works. That's the only way this works. Look, maybe some of you guys can relate to this. If you're looking for the best deal on a boat, are you going to find it? Stephen, let me ask you. If you want to find the best deal on the boat, are you going to find it? I don't know about you, man, but I like deals. I go hunting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all, you need to go buy a sofa? Are you just going to go buy the most expensive thing you see? No, no, no. You're going to go seek after a deal. You're going to go hunt that down. Man, don't, I'm, just remind me not to take you boat shopping, okay? <laughs> if you're going to go buy a car, are you going to go buy it, whatever the sticker price is, straight off the lot, just like that, no negotiation? Heck no. I'm going to go say, hey, I'm not paying full price. You better give me a deal. And if they don't want to budge, next. Right? What do we do? Did we just come up in here and pay full price for this building? Uh -huh. No, we didn't. No, sir. That would be dumb. And God did not give me a spirit of dumb. Okay? Thank you. So... When you go looking for something, when you go hunting down, if you want to go buy new golf clubs, do you go buy just whatever the top of the line as much as the, no, no, no. I go find a deal. Gilbert knows. I say it all the time. What do I say? That's a good deal. That's a good deal. I go find deals. I don't buy things new typically. I always find used good deals. Everything in our church, by the way, is used. See the new soundboard we just got? Nice, new, shiny soundboard. Used. I found a deal online. Okay? I had the dude in Austin send me a video of it, of it in, in a certain mode that it just lights up and it shows you if it's working or not because I know how that thing works. And he sent me the video. I said, okay, I'll take it, but I'm going to take it for this price. I'm not paying full price. I find a deal. If you want something bad enough, guess what you're going to go do? You're going to go seek it. You're going to go chase it down. When I bought my truck, I had to find it in San Antonio. Nobody wanted to deal with me here. Nobody. I said, no, nah, I'm not paying that much. I got a number in my head. I'm sticking to that number, and I'm going to find that number. Guess what? I found that number. If you want something bad enough, you will hunt it down. If you want something bad enough, you will seek after it here's the problem we are willing to do that for stuff and we're not willing to do that with God if we want him bad enough we'll seek after him but we're still trying to get it through an individual that's sitting next to us you're not going to get that kind of love. You're not going to get that kind of peace. You're not going to get that kind of joy by the person that's sleeping next to you at night. You're only going to get it by the person that created your soul in the first place. You feeling me on that? We've got to turn into treasure hunters. My favorite movie is National Treasure. 
You know what Cheryl's most hated movie is? National Treasure. I turn it on. She says, oh, why'd you do that? So I can think. I just I can work. It's just in the background. My favorite movie, I Want to Be Nicolas Cage. You know, my, you know what my second favorite movie is? National Treasure Part 2. Okay? Because after the first one, I said, man, the second one's even better. <laughs> I like treasure hunting. You've got to learn how to treasure hunt, spiritually speaking. You've got to seek after God. He's got everything you need. He's got everything you could ever want. He's got everything in the palm of his hand, and he wants to give it to you. He's got love, joy, peace, righteousness, kindness, self-control, all those good things, all the fruit of the Spirit that you may not be demonstrating because you don't have his Spirit. You've got to go get after him. Can I get an amen on that? In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their, their sick, wicked and sick ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The last point in this is that we got to learn to pray. We got to learn to pray. I want to make it easy for you because some, some people hear the word pray and they think you got to go throw yourself for four hours on the floor in the closet. And hey, man, that's good. You should go do that too. You know, that's good stuff too. But when, when we hear the word pray, I want to make it real simple for you. I want you to think of the word conversation. Because that's what it really boils down to. If I need to have a conversation with my wife, unfortunately, it can only happen at certain times because we have work schedules and we typically have our conversations over dinner, you know? And so we've got to get out a lot of things and share a lot of things in a shorter period of time. You know, during the week, stuff is crazy. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you don't have that much time that you think to really have good conversation. But here's the beauty about God. He's not limited by your work schedule. He's not limited by his work schedule. You are his work schedule. So you can have conversation at any point, at any time, any day of the week, any hour, any second. You can have conversation with him. That's prayer. That's a prayer lifestyle. It's a conversation, a constant conversation with him where he doesn't go away. You don't go away. You don't say good night. You don't say goodbye. You don't say, I'll see you later. You are constantly talking. And then when you go to sleep, guess what? He's still talking. He's giving you dreams. He's giving you visions at night. He's still talking. 
So when you hear the word pray, I want you to hear the word conversation. He wants to hear your voice all the time. He wants to hear your thoughts all the time. And you know what? He'll start to speak back. But if you think the only time you can pray is if you're by yourself in your car with the music cranked loud and that's your only prayer time, guess what? You're wrong. That's just an extra. That's the bonus. That's like the equivalent of people thinking that coming to church is building the relationship with God. No, no, no. You build your relationship with God every day, all day. You come to church to celebrate. You come to church to give God praise. You, got, you come to church to fellowship, to, to join with one another. You come to church to stay connected with other believers so we can help each other. But you don't come to church to get close to God. You should be getting close to God every day. You come to church to thank God for every day. And we do this with prayer. We think the only time to pray is when we come to church, the only time we pray is when we're by ourselves and we have some closet to sit in. No, no, pray all day, every day. Just talk to them. Just have the conversation. Just always be in it. Always. It's a lifestyle decision. It's a lifestyle cho- choice. If someone is training to be a CrossFit champion like LaQuisha over there, I mean, Rebecca Johnson over there. <laughs> if someone's training, you know what they're thinking about all day? You know what they're thinking about all day? They're thinking about their technique. They're thinking about how to live. They're thinking about what they're eating, they're planning, they're prepping, they're meal prepping, all this stuff, right? And yet, we somehow forget that God is available all day, every day, 24-7. He doesn't let up. He doesn't let up. He's there. I won't read the whole thing to you because you should know it by now. If you don't, go to 1 Corinthians 13 when you have a moment. It's the love chapter. It's what it means. What love means. And I'll just say this last bit and then we can, we can go. A marriage license is only a piece of paper. Good morning. Turn to 88.9 FM and you can listen in. A marriage license is only a piece of paper. That's all it is. It's a $15 piece of paper with a stamp on it from Nueces County. That's all it is. But a covenant is an eternal decision between you, that person, and God. And only God can do that. We talked about this. Contracts are made for lawyers. Covenant is made for God. And if you want to have a strong relationship, you got to remember that you have a covenant. You don't have a contract. You don't have a piece of paper. You don't have a temporary license. You have an eternal covenant between you, that other individual, and God himself. And if you would just learn to seek God first, that other individual doing the same, eventually things begin to correct and change. Where people get off balance is that they think that if they just ignore the other person and give their whole life to God and, and, and the other person doesn't matter at all. That's, that's not at all what this is or what I'm saying. Understand there's balance to it all. 
But what I'm saying is you have to understand where the source of your joy comes from. You have to understand where the source of your happiness comes from. You've got to understand that at the end of the day, you answer to God, and you answer to God on how you treat that other person too. Jesus did something for us. He sacrificed his life. And Paul later said that Christ sacrificed his life and loved the church the way that a husband should love their wife. So I'm going to take it to this extreme real quick, men, and then we'll close. If Christ was willing to pay the ultimate price for his bride, which is the church, if Christ was willing to sacrifice all that he was, to spill his blood, to die on the cross, if Christ was willing to come to the earth to do one thing, which was to die in our place, his bride, the church, what are you willing to do, men, for your spouse? Because Paul said that men should love their wives the way Christ loves the church. Men, whether we like it or not, God is putting more responsibility on us. Whether we like it or not, God will judge us differently. Just the way, just the way the scripture says that God will judge the leaders of the church more stringently than those that are in the church. Did you know that? I am going to be held to a higher standard than you simply by taking on this responsibility. And guess what? It works the same way in the marriage. God looks at the man and says, you are to be the example. You are to be the priest of your home. You are to be the leader of your home. Quit sitting on the sideline and letting your wife lead everything. You've got to lead spiritually if nothing else. And we all fall short in that. We all don't do that very well. We all need to learn to get better. We all should get better. We should all want to get better. But we don't get better by just trying to get better. We don't get better by trying to read a book. We get better by seeking God. Last scripture. Psalms 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Listen, your home is your house. And I'm not talking about where you live. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your relationship. Your home is your house. That's home. Your family, your wife, your kids, your husband. Your home is your house. And unless the Lord builds it in you, you labor in vain. Don't try and build it on your own. Let God do it through you. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support this ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets using at PursuitCC. Have a blessed day.